True Crime Girls contains content not suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. You guys came through with the request. Enjoy. And... Go. Holy shit. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to True Crime Girls, everyone. Welcome. Welcome back if this is not your first time. Are you okay? Thank you. The smell just got to me just now. I can't smell it. Oh, I was like, what is happening? I don't know. Um, the kid farted like a gnarly fart just before we said, let's go. <laughs> and it took that long for the smell to reach my nose. And that's why I said, holy shit. Like, literally? Holy Lord, shit. Lord, it smells like a cat died in his bubble. I would not be Probably surprised. Did. Yeah. All right, edit that out. <laughs> Please don't. Um, hi, everyone. Hi, welcome back. It's been two weeks. It's our last confession. What episode is this? Seven? Six, um, eight. eight. Is it? Eight. eight. All right. Watch it. All right. We're halfway through. Oh, we're halfway through we're the season. We're over halfway. Big win. <laughs> Eileen's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like these have been um, like big episodes. Yeah. Like we, I don't know. I feel like every season we kind of just like go, you know, a little. We go down the list. Like we've. Above and beyond. Like when we first started, like we had such a long list of episode topics that we wanted to touch on and we're just like slowly. And we still have so many left. I know. Well, because as we go, like we get more and then we just keep like adding to the list, which is good. Um. Today's episode is going to be... The one you all have been waiting for. Fun. Yeah. So we decided to take some requests um, from our listeners and see what you guys want us to cover. Some of them we'll actually be covering in another episode of things we won't cover (laughs) ever. (laughs) Um, But we kind of picked our favorites and... Yeah. And just because, like, if yours wasn't picked, it doesn't mean, like... We hate you. It just means that we'll no. It do does. For- That's why we didn't pick them. Because <laughs> well, Janine hates you. <laughs> just saving it for another time. Like yeah. But there was um, a few requests or like suggestions that we are actually. Can you not? That we're um, covering in this season anyway, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Um. So I hope you guys like. Are you gonna say who mentioned it or like who suggested I, it? I have it. And you are? I have mine. Yeah. Okay, I should probably get mine ready. 
Um, so yeah. So thank you, by the way, everybody who emailed us yeah, and left us a comment and DM'd us. Um, that was really cool because they're the story I picked. Eileen probably is well Eileen did laugh at me but you'll probably laugh too because I'd never heard of it and it just happened so which is funny because somebody suggested like oh um, how about like a case that's still um, like under investigation or something that's new and this one kind of hit like a few of those awesome so that was cool um well now I'm like curious I'm like I know you probably have apparently it was like a big thing and I just completely missed it which is I feel like that's the story typical. of my life lately I know. because I don't have cable anymore. I know, and it's like I don't watch the news and unless it's like a big, big thing that like blows up my Twitter, like I'm yeah. bare, or like if somebody sends it to us, I'm just kind of like out of the loop. So if you guys like if anybody hears like any cool stories or sees anything on like Instagram or, or Twitter, yeah, send it to us. Cause that shit, yeah, just like, tag us in it. we might cover it, or it just might help our fucking or day be better. Might be under a rock, <laughs> yeah. When um, when I get home from work, like um, the last thing like I want to do is like think, and so I don't. Yeah. And I usually watch like bad reality television, yeah. or watch my boyfriend play video games, or play them myself. So reading something yeah. like rad is always a good thing at the end of a day um who wants oh you're gonna go first yep all right eileen's gonna go first so she can zone out the rest and of tell the everyone why you want to go first <laughs> but first let me take a selfie just kidding can we just like discuss for one second the fact that it's the anniversary of columbine yeah and that girl did you hear about her there's a girl in was it Florida? Did we find girl? her in Florida? There was a <coughs> excuse me. There was a girl who um, recently was like she's a teenager. I think she's like 19 years old. Became oh no, it was Colorado, Colorado, maybe. She was like super obsessed with the fact that it was a 20th anniversary, and uh-huh. um, she had planned to do something big. She bought a gun, so they what? shut down all the schools. They shut down everything. They were saying everybody basically stay home, and they found her dead of a, of a gunshot wound to the head. Shut she was like, the fuck yeah. up. No, I hadn't about seen that. that. No. no. Oh my god. Well, we just got through saying <laughs> how we don't have the news and to tag us in things. <laughs> we just had this conversation. It was literally. So you're tagging all us right over now. Social media. So today that we're. Well, it wasn't all over my social yeah. media. Today that we're recording, it's the twenty first, April twenty first. So yesterday would have been um, the twenty or was the twentieth anniversary. So I don't even know when this episode's coming out, but that's why um, we're talking about it in a month. About it'll be like yeah, like a month ago, yeah. but that's fine. Um, wow, that is fucking sad. <laughs> so I just picked up a quick eighteen-year-old um, prompted a massive manhunt in Colorado. Um, drew pictures of guns, knives, and written about plans she was making. So she was infatuated with the Columbine High School massacre and kept a journal online in which she wrote about the suicide gun and alluded to plans she was making. Um, she, her name was Soul. Soul, her last name is P A I S. She's from Florida. 
She flew from Miami to Colorado earlier the week, bought a pump-action shotgun and ammunition upon arrival, and then disappeared off of the radar, prompting a massive manhunt. Do um, we know what part of Florida? Yeah. <laughs> and then um, they said that she... No. <laughs> do you know what part of Florida? Like, do you know what city? They just said... It says she flew from just Miami to Colorado. Miami. There we go. That's it. All right. Mm-hmm. Doesn't say that's where she's from, but she I, flew. I'm going... I'm on a mission to start distinguishing between areas of this state. Do it. Because <laughs> a lot of crazy shit happens in the south of this state. It says she wrote... Um, Entire reference plans and other shows, drawings of one of the <gasps> Columbine gunmen dealing Klebold. She put, had a dream last night about the future and it was eye-opening. was only a week away from the day I had my blank shotgun. Jesus. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. I have... I mean, um, I'm glad they took all those precautions, though. I mean, they, you know... You have to take stuff like that seriously to save lives sometimes. At least she didn't hurt anybody It says, after else. receiving word of the FBI investigation on Tuesday, more than 20 schools, including Columbine, went on lockout, meaning exterior doors were locked due to a threat outside, but all scheduled classics activities inside were held as they normally would be. Oh, wow. That's terrifying. And then that was on Tuesday. And then Wednesday... The Colorado's Department of Education announced on Twitter that all Denver metro area schools were closed on Wednesday due to ongoing safety concerns. I'm, I mean, I really appreciate them taking it seriously because it could have been so much worse. Oh, yeah. And honestly, her seeing that may have put a wrench in her plans. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And so, which is why she you know, like, it. just because it didn't happen, that could have been the reason why it didn't happen. Yeah. So... Like, props to them for, you know, taking these threats seriously. And being and vocal really about it because sometimes they, like, do it in, um, like, the background and they just kind mm-hmm. of, like, take these precautions without any, like, saying anything or, you know, alerting the public because they don't want to cause, you know, any uh, panic. But if they didn't, yeah. then who knows what would fucking happen. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Thanks so. for enlightening us. You're welcome. Yeah, thank That's you. That's so sad. Um, and then on a lighter note, I just wanted an honorable mention. Um, do you guys have Sirius sac- uh, the XM satellite radio? Mm-mm. No. Okay. I'm poor. First of all, I have it. Help me, and I'm it's poor. all I yeah. listen to, okay? And two of my favorite stations, one is 90s on 9, and the second one is Channel 34. It's Lithium. You need to see one? Huh? <laughs> what? <laughs> when you see on? Oh, that's channel 30 you're an idiot <laughs> <laughs> um and um they channel 34 is lithium it's um oh, 90s alternative music okay now the other day i was listening to it and it was fucking steal my sunshine by len was on there <laughs> i'm like this is not 90s alternative but the Isn't reason why i'm on my playlist yeah the jams the reason why I'm bringing it up is there's this um, host, um, Radio Madison. She is freaking hilarious. And I listen to her every morning and she like just brings me to life on my way to work. <laughs> and now I kind of feel what people feel like when they listen to us on Friday mornings. <laughs> where they're like, oh my God, true crime girls. You know, this is how I start my Friday. Oh I'm my like, th- this is how I start every fucking morning and with this chick. And it's just it's the best and now i understand you guys and you're welcome and thank you (laughs) you're welcome first and also thank you yeah that is so funny yeah i guess i can 
kind of relate. Like, I get excited. Like, let's say, for instance, like, Esoteric Oddities puts mm-hmm. out episodes, like, every Monday. So, like, Mondays kind of suck to begin with. But, like, knowing that I have, like, an episode to look forward to, like kind of makes it a little bit better yeah. so yeah i get it and i hate okay for someone who has a podcast is part of a podcast i don't listen to podcasts that's all i fucking listen to. i don't like i don't i'm not a fan of listening to people talk i don't even like listening to myself talk i don't either but i do it i don't like listening um, to you. but i don't like morning radio because all they do is talk like i want to yeah. sometimes I'll, like if i'm annoyed by the talking i'll just shut it off so i don't listen to regular radio that's why i like um um what's it called serious serious because it's less talking more just straight music but when she does like a couple intros and she's just like super funny super just at six o'clock in the morning i don't want to does she have an instagram yeah she's at radio madison oh cool i think yeah at radio madison and then on 90s on nine it's downtown julie brown and i love her fucking accent DJB wubba 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 she is the best i fucking love her <laughs> swear to god she is so cool but yeah <laughs> that's it that's well, my you. that's all i had to say and i literally oh i have one other thing but it's not important i wrote what? these like talking points down <laughs> what is it about my new glasses <laughs> Oh my god, Eileen has been buying glasses like non-fucking stop and it's it's getting out of control. I know. And I've literally referred everybody I know to this website to buy their glasses. So refer not sponsored you guys. Not sponsored at all, not but um, no. zennyoptical.com, z e n n i optical.com. You put in your prescription, you put in your PD, you choose what glasses you want, you customize them and they send them your way. Now it's super quick super cool and super fucking cheap like some of the glasses start at like six dollars for the frame and then the lenses are only actually like five six bucks plus shipping you end up paying like 20 bucks for a pair of glasses which is insane insane and then i got some really cool ones that have this like magnetic clip on where like you're just regular glasses and then you take it and like you put the magnet and they click on and they're sunglasses like Magic. that is the best fucking thing <laughs> I've ever owned in my entire life. Eileen's never been this so excited about fucking anything. So go and order your stuff and then tag them and let them know that you got them from True Crime Girls. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we can get paid to do the same thing that we're doing right now. <laughs> that'd be fucking cool. I mean, that'd be nice to get paid. But Yo, and your girl is blind. So mm. I would definitely benefit from that. Oh shit. I just wiped my lollipop all over my ipad ew my bad wasn't on purpose it should be in your mouth well i set it down so i can talk (laughs) that's what she said (sighs) um all right so you're going first i am going first (laughs) (laughs) oh and to answer kyle's um question the reason why i'm going first is so i can just like zone out when i'm done oh my (laughs) god that was like 20 minutes ago i know but i still wanted to like let them know Thank you like for answering my know. questions. Thank you for not ignoring me. They know me. It was just like, she just like paused me. I'm she sorry, what? Pause. Did you hear something? <laughs> Remember when you fucking did that to me at Disneyland, you dick? Were you there, Kyle? I can't really hear you. So, <coughs> we were walking, it was at DCA, right? Yeah. We were at California Adventure, and I think we were, like, walking out, and people kept fucking bumping into me, and I'm like, am I fucking invisible or something? And Eileen's like, did you say, did somebody say something? And I'm like, yeah, me. I said, am I fucking I invisible? I remember, yeah. And then as I was saying it, I'm like, you're a fucking bitch. <coughs> <laughs> that was fun. 
No. Okay. So I'm just gonna jump right in here. Jump into the deep end. That's what she said. So nice and wet. Mm-hmm. Are you diving? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so my request is from um our good friend Joshua um at Joshua Friend. Um, he's a really cool guy. If you want to follow him, go ahead. If not, whatever. Um, anyways, so he suggested the Cooper house in Chino Hills. Um, so growing up in the Inland Empire, we would hear of like urban legends, whatever, like Green Mist and Gravity Hill and the Cooper house. Oh, Gravity Hill. So, (laughs) right. I never learned what Green Mist was. So if anybody knows, please just at me. I don't know. I've never heard of Green Mist before. I don't, I don't have no idea what the fuck it was. I just remember hearing of something called Green Mist. I like vaguely remember that. Yeah. Um, Uh. and then... Gravity Hill, every freaking city has one or two or mm-hmm. ten, whatever. I learned, I think we were, did you go to Texas with me when we learned? Yeah. Okay. So we were in Texas when we did their Gravity Hill. And then the Cooper house. So back in the day, the rumor mill story was that, um, that circulated <coughs> was <clears throat> that some psycho um, escaped a <clears throat> mental facility and killed a family at their home in Chino Hills somewhere and now that they haunt the place and um, people supposedly went to see if like they could enter the property and see the ghosts or whatever or it was just like a place to go like let's go check out the Cooper house like that's where this big old murder went down like I always wanted to go but it was like terrified yeah I didn't know what and I in my head I pictured this like huge house on this empty lot that's like all boarded up or whatever (laughs) like <clears throat> yeah so the true story is um and it's a little i'm gonna bounce around a little bit so just sit tight um june 5th 1983 bill hughes went to pick up his 11 year old son from a sleepover upon entering the residence he found the homeowners douglas and peggy ryan dead douglas and peggy's daughter jessica was also dead along with bill's son christopher they'd been stabbed with an ice pick chopped with a hatchet Oof. and sliced with a knife God damn. The only survivor. Yeah. The only survivor was eight year old Josh Ryan. His throat was sliced, but he was still alive. The family's car was missing, but found days later in Long Beach, California. Long Beach. LB. Um, Kevin Cooper was a prime suspect. He was hiding out in the vacant house just 125 yards away from the Ryan's house. It said he made phone calls from his hideout to friends asking for help and money. After they refused, he hitchhiked to Mexico and checked into a hotel in Tijuana on June 5th. There he met an American couple who owned a sailboat. He became a crew member on their boat, sailed up and down the Pacific coast with them. What? Yeah. Two months later, Cooper was accused of raping a woman on a neighboring boat where they were docked. The victim went to report the rape at the sheriff's office and identified Cooper after seeing him on a wanted poster poster hanging in the sheriff's office. Oh, fuck. Um, Cooper was arrested and brought to trial. <clears throat> now, in the end, Kevin Cooper was convicted of four counts of first-degree murder. Okay, so now we're going to rewind just a little bit. <clears throat> Before all this went down... Yeah, right? <laughs> Before all this went down, Kevin Cooper was no rookie when it came to crime. Like, it's not just like this just happened. Yeah. There's a reason why he was hiding out in that house. Okay. <clears throat> so, um... In 1977, he was sentenced to two years in prison for burglarizing a Pittsburgh home. 
Between 1977 and 1982, he was in and out of prison and a psychiatric facility where he escaped from and fled to California. Good Lord. That's where he went to go hide out in that house. Uh-huh. Um, under the alias David Troutman, he was arrested for two burglaries in the L.A. area. He was sentenced to four years at the California Institute for Men in Chino in the minimum security section. <laughs> <laughs> are, are, you, are you thinking what I'm thinking? Yes. <laughs> what? When, they were, okay. when she was on her way to Joshua's house and it was like the Women's Institute or whatever. Oh, and I thought it was a college. <laughs> well, because I'm innocent <laughs> and I, like person. my mom was in the car with me and i was like oh i didn't know they had a college here she goes bitch that's a jail <laughs> <laughs> oh fuck um on june 2nd 1983 kevin cooper escaped the prison when he climbed through a hole in the prison fence okay Ted no so now he escaped june 2nd 1983 in chino bill hughes arrived to the grizzly murder scene on june that shows a bit why they felt he had the well they why they had the right guy when they arrested him and finding out he was hiding out so close to the murder scene Mm -hmm. during his trial he pled guilty to escaping from prison but many believe he was wrongly convicted of the murders the surviving victim gave his testimony and stated that quote-unquote three mexicans came to his host his home um (laughs) looking for work um (laughs) He said he saw the back of the man attacking his mother, but didn't see his face. He just assumed it would have been those men since they had stopped up that night. Mm-hmm. Um, How old was he at the time? Little boy, 11. Oh, okay. Yeah. In his own defense, Cooper admitted to escaping the prison and hiding out near the murder house, but denied ever being inside the Ryan residence. He stated that he left his hideout on foot, stole a purse, and hitchhiked his way to Mexico. Cooper's defense presented evidence to support Cooper's claim of innocence, including inconsistencies in the survivor's story, plus other quote-unquote events that didn't involve, didn't involve Cooper. <clears throat> Cooper's case was grossly mishandled by the police. Although the survivor told police three or four men committed the murders, the deputies misrepresented his recollections and gradually shaped his testimony so that it was inconsistent with the prosecutor's so that it was consistent with the prosecutor's theory that there was only one killer. Now, that's a direct quote from a judge that, like, reviewed everything after the fact. Mm. Um, After he was already convicted. After he was already convicted. Um, On June 9th, Diana Roper called the sheriff's department to tell her that her boyfriend, Lee Furrow, had come home early in the morning on June 4th, covered in blood, but missing his tan shirt he had left his house with. Uh Uh-oh. Um, Lee Furrow was an employee of Clarence Ray Allen, a man who had a disagreement with the Ryans over a horse he bought from them. A tan bloody shirt was found on the side of the road leading away from the Ryans' house. Stop. Roper provided an affidavit saying it was Furrow's shirt um, and also that the hatchet used in the killings matched the hatchet Furrow had in her garage that was now missing. Oh my fuck. And okay. Um, Diane Roper also reported to the sheriff that when Furl returned home covered in blood, he was driving an unfamiliar station wagon with some people who stayed in the car. Upon investigating, Furl's stepmother lived close to where the Ryan station wagon was found in Long Beach. Oh, my God. Um, Judge Fletcher just suggested to the board that the blood of Kevin Cooper found at the crime scene was planted, arguing Cooper's blood was in fact planted to ensure a positive result and conviction. 
So the tan shirt that they found had two specimens of blood on it. Mm-hmm. One of them, Cooper's blood, had EDTA in it. EDTA, for those of you who do not know, and I only know because I work with blood, <coughs> is a preservative used so your blood doesn't clot. So <gasps> when you're right, taking a blood sample if you don't want it to clot you're mixing it in a purple tube that has a certain amount of edta in it you shake it up and it stays fluid otherwise it coagulates. wasn't that the whole thing with like oj's case that the blood on the like car had edta in it like oh that. i don't know i don't All remember right. i don't know <laughs> but <Sorry>. yeah <laughs> i want to say i was thinking the same thing you might be right okay um and then a social worker who interviewed the survivor prior to police questioning testified that josh not only identified three attackers but specifically stated they were not mexican or african-american and then in 2001 cooper successfully requested post-conviction post-conviction dna evidence to be tested making him the first in history to do so no shit yeah um they when they looked up um when they retested his dna they found Mm -hmm. that there was nothing to exonerate him but at the same time they also found that there was another person's dna in the test so it was again messed up Mm. so he they can't Mm -hmm. so he has to stay in prison in 2001 yes so Kevin Cooper was scheduled to be executed on um, February 10, 2004. On February 8th, a panel of three judges voted against execution two to one and his life was spared. So he got wow. a stay of execution. Uh-huh. <clears throat> now, um, so the results of the DNA tests when he did the post-conviction um, testing Failed to exonerate him of the murders and indicated, one, that his DNA was present at both the crime scene and in the stolen station wagon. Two, hairs found on three of the victims were likely their own. And three, no DNA belonging to other assailants was present. But there was one spot of blood on the wall in the house that had the EDTA, EDTA in it, which they believe that one of the officers planted to make it seem like he was in there. So how would they have mm. even gotten his blood? Well, when they caught him, they had to take they take a blood sample and then they planted and then they planted it. Got it. Um, And then it says, however, um, it was found that a blood vial containing Cooper's blood also contained a second individual blood. More importantly, prosecution expert Daniel Gregonis had checked Cooper's blood out for 24 hours without informing Cooper's attorneys alongside with his saliva and the blood stain recovered from the house. Um, this is significant because of two key pieces of evidence that relied on blood from Cooper. Um, one, Greg initials were on a pillbox that contained a blood stain recovered from the house. Cooper was a donor. And um, a blood stain located on a t-shirt that was found behind a road some distance from the Ryan home. The shirt had de- several blood stains. Um, Doug Ryan was a donor of a blood stain and Cooper. But it could have been tainted blood. Mm-hmm. shit on a stick uh-huh <clears throat> <laughs> so god damn um, in january of 2004 um kevin cooper applied for clemency mm-hmm. from arnold schwarzenegger and this is the, the response from the governor um i have carefully weighed the claims presented in kevin cooper's plea for plea for clemency should i read this in his voice <laughs> if you can <laughs> No, I can't. Oh um, my God. Uh, <laughs> you didn't even try. 
The state, federal, state and federal courts have reviewed this case for more than 18 years. Evidence establishing his guilt is overwhelming and his conversation or his conversion to faith and his mentoring of others while commendable do not diminish the cruelty and destruction he has inflicted on so many. His is not a case for clemency. Wow. So that's wow. a total bullshit because evidence establishing his guilt is not overwhelming at yeah. all. Right. At right. all. Um in december 2010 he filed a second clemency petition to the same governor and laid out new developments in the um in the evidence that had not been known when the first petition was denied in 2004. the second clemency petition also cited the conclusions observations of 12 appellate appellate judges of the ninth circuit court of appeals including that the fact that the blood taken from cooper after he was arrested was contaminated with dna of another person and that the sheriff's deputy had lied at the Cooper's trial about destruction of key evidence, and that three witnesses never interviewed by the prosecution had come forward with strong evidence of other possible perpetrators. Um, just before Schwarzenegger left office in, in January of 11, <coughs> his office wrote a letter to Cooper's lawyer stating that, that the application raises many evidentiary concerns which deserve a thorough and careful review of voluminous records. The letter further stated that since the governor had only two weeks left in office, he had decided to leave the matter for governor-elect Jerry Brown's determination. Wow. <laughs> He's like, yeah, he'll deal with it. It'll be fine. Um. So in May of 2018 um an author by the name of nicholas christoph wrote an article in the new york times highlighting the case arguing that the truth could be determined by doing advanced testing on the bloodstained t-shirt the hatchet handle and the hand towel used by the murderer and including diagrams showing both that lee furrow's stepmother lived close to where the victim's car was recovered and that officer stephen moran most likely planted evidence to frame cooper soon after Kamala Harris and Diane Feinstein both publicly called for advanced DNA testing. In response, DA Michael Ramos submitted a response to Cooper's petition, calling for the petition to be refused. Ramos would also file to have Cooper executed following his failed attempt to be reelected. Re um, on July 3rd, Jerry Brown hinted that he would potentially be willing to approve DNA testing, sending Cooper's attorneys a list of questions. On August 17th, the defense submitted the response, revealing that they had managed to acquire Lee Furrow's DNA for testing. On October 6th, Nick Kristoff wrote a follow-up in which he reported that Lee Furrow had told him that he was now open for testing to clear his name. Mm. In December 2018, yeah. outgoing California Governor Brown ordered new DNA testing in the Cooper case. <clears throat> so, he did order new testing, but it's suspect. Because, uh. um, where am I at? I had no idea this was so fucking, like, involved. Mm -hmm. Like, it's a big mess. That's I am, like, big, blown yeah. away, yeah. So, um, the most puzzling of the items Brown did not authorize for testing is a clump of long, light brown hairs found clutched in the hand of Jessica, quite Ugh. possibly yanked from the head of her killer and clearly not oh Cooper's God. hair. Josh uh. Ryan, now in his 40s, pleaded for further investigation in a 2004 television interview on 48 Hours, saying, the hair needs to be tested. 
Her hand is clenched fighting for her life with hair in it. So I want to know. I need to know. Yeah, I don't know mm-hmm. why they wouldn't fucking do it. Um, right. Brown also did not authorize DNA testing the victim's fingernail scrapings or items that could prove Cooper's Are you Cooper fucking framed. kidding? Fuck, that's... Including a vial of Cooper's blood drawn when he was arrested. It contains the blood preservative EDTA as expected, but also the blood of at least one unknown person. It was blood from this vial that Cooper's attorney believed was planted on the medium-sized tan shirt that Cooper demanded in 2002 be tested. But Cooper wears a size large. What size was the shirt? Medium. And that was that guy's size. Mm-hmm. Dude, come when it on. revealed his blood, he and his attorneys were shocked. And in 2004, they got a retest. This time, EDTA was found in the blood spot, which Cooper's attorney said was proof that investigators took preserved blood from the vial taken when he was arrested and planted it on the shirt. The lab analyst later, res- later rescinded this EDTA finani- finding, claiming it was a lab error. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. But how do we know that that's not a lab? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and then the car was fucking found next to his mom's house. Like that can't be. That's. There's no fucking way a coincidence like that could happen in a case like this. Brown's order also excluded testing for EDTA of a tiny spot of blood determined to be Cooper's that was found on a wall in the Ryan home. Someone else's DNA was also found in the spot. This test is important because it was a lone bit of evidence putting Cooper at the crime scene. His attorneys believe it was planted. So if they test that one spot on the wall and find EDTA in it, it was planted, which means he was never there, but he didn't order to get it tested. Go ahead and retest all of these important things, but the important things that you really need to test, not that one. Yeah, right. Exactly. The San Bernardino County coroner initially said the victims were slain by three or four killers wielding a hatchet, knives, and ice pick, inflicting 144 wounds within four minutes. <gasps> Several oh, witnesses. Four my God. Minutes? Several witnesses reported seeing three people in the Ryan stolen car shortly after the killings, and when the car was found by police a few days later, it had blood on three seats. Okay. This is incredibly frustrating. So. That's where we are now. We're wait just oh. now. It's just waiting. Nothing has happened yet. No, fuck you. The testing <laughs> has. <laughs> go go and test it yourself. Oh, <laughs> we need to know. It hasn't been tested yet. They're still waiting, and if it still is, comes, there like a timeline no. for when it's supposed to get tested? No. Oh, yeah. But I, I personally firmly believe that he did not do it and that they're just going to hang him dry and let him be in there, even though there's this overwhelming evidence that it was not him. (coughs) Adnan. (coughs) What? what? Exactly. There's overwhelming evidence that is, is not him. They're just going to let him stay in there and deal with it because they would have to save face. And yeah, that's what it is. If they let him out, he can sue them. Yeah. And they don't want to deal with all that. So they're just going to let him die in jail. And it's fucked up. That is our justice system at this point. That is. They have someone terrible. there paying for a crime because if they let him out, then they're back to square one. They that would have to prove it. clearly shows it was more than one person. Yep. Yep. Oh, my God. And they clearly have the victim, the sole survivor, saying it was not him. Yeah. But, you know, we're going to say it's him because... Of shit we're making up. <sighs> That's wow. it. Wow. Thank you, Joshua, for um, requesting that. I actually had more fun doing that than I thought. 
and I learned a lot more about it than I had that I thought I knew. Thanks, Joshua. That was great. Mm-hmm. Um, and that kind of covers uh, somebody else suggested. Her name is, a- I hope I'm pronouncing this correctly, Aiden Mowat. Mowat. Sorry if I butcher that. Um, she suggested, how about current and developing trials? So that kind That's of. That's part of it. Knocks Boom, that one out. Boom. There you go. Yeah. Holy fuck. Love it. I remember um, that story. So that was like really cool to see that it's still kind of like developing. Well, I mean, not under those circumstances, but. And for those of you listening, if you ever heard references of Cooper House when we were you were younger, like if there's anybody in my area that actually listens to the podcast, um, let us know what what you know part of the urban legend that you heard because I yeah. didn't hear much. Janine heard something a little bit different than me. Yeah. Um. So just like comment it, send us a DM or something. Um, just letting us know basically what what you know about you it. know about what it or what it, you yeah. had heard, what version of the story you heard growing up, and what was the freaking that fascination very, with the Cooper like, House? Crazy, intense. Like I wasn't expecting that, mm-hmm. and I never understood why they called it the Cooper House. <laughs> I know, right? Like, wouldn't it be the Ryan? House? I just, honestly, because I had never heard. I I didn't grow up like I didn't hear anything about that. But, like, this whole time that she was, like, telling the story, I was like, why the fuck is it called the Cooper House? Yeah, I never understood like, that. <laughs> well, because I mean, I was, get like, it, but I don't. Like, the House like, you of know, the Cooper like, Murders, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's like, yeah. That was great. And that's another thing. Like, if he gets off, then they have to change the name of the house, and that's just too difficult. True that. What was the other guy's name? Which one? Leaf something. Leaf Furrows. Furrows House. Furrows. Furrow House doesn't roll off that the tongue works. as easy easily um all right you want to go next kyle sure all right um actually like <laughs> i had a lot more fun with i had a lot of fun with um mine too um so we had a request from instagram minimo buyers Ooh. that's how you pronounce it um, to do the story of Rodney James Alcala. Oh, yeah. So that's the one that I chose because I just thought it was interesting. I love that. So Rodney James Alcala was born Rodrigo Jacques Alcala Bucuar. That's a lot. <laughs> All my names. I know. Like these past two episodes. Um, in 1943 in San Antonio, Texas to Raul Alcala Bucar and Anna Maria Gutierrez. He and his sisters were raised by his mother in suburban Los Angeles. His father abandoned the family. In 1960, he joined the United States Army where he served as a clerk. In 1964, after what was described as a nervous breakdown, he was diagnosed with antisocial personality disorder by a military psychiatrist and discharged on medical grounds. Okay. So here we go. All right. (laughs) And we're Um, off. (laughs) And we're going. Um, Alcala went to UCLA School of Fine Arts after his medical discharge from the Army. Uh, He committed his first known crime in 1968. A motorist in Los Angeles witnessed him luring an eight-year-old girl named Tali Shapiro into his Hollywood apartment and called the police. Uh, No. (laughs) 
The girl was found in the apartment, raped and <gasps> beaten with a steel bar. What? But I'll call Yeah. But Alcala escaped. When the police first found her, she wasn't breathing, but eventually she started to breathe again and lived through the ordeal. I'm sorry. Did you say she was eight years old? Yes. Okay. Okay. Disgusting. Along with the little girl, they found photography equipment along with a plethora of photographs of young girls. Oh, God. They also found photo ID of a Rodney Alcala. He fled to the East Coast and enrolled in the NYU film school using the name John Berger. B-E-G-E-R. Of all the names. Yeah. In 1969, Alcala was placed on the FBI most wanted list from the kidnap and rape of Tolly. In 1971, TWA flight attendant Cornelia Michael Crilly. Crilly? Crilly? Mm, I don't know. <laughs> um, had been had been stripped naked, strangled with a nylon stocking, and there was a bite mark on her breast. The police had zero leads on this murder at the time. Oh my god! Yeah. Oh, this is you it, guys. I, you I, guys are fucking me up today. <laughs> <laughs> During the summer months, he also obtained a counseling job at a New Hampshire arts camp for children using a slightly different alias, John Berger. B-U-G-E-R. What a loser. So, um, in 1971, two campers noticed Alcala's FBI wanted poster (gasps) at the post office and notified camp directors. He was arrested and extradited back to California. By then, however, Tali Shapiro's parents had relocated her family to Mexico and refused to allow her to testify at Alcala's trial. You gotta be fucking kidding me. Nope. Unable to convict him of rape and attempted murder without their primary witness, prosecutors were forced to permit Alcala to plead guilty to a lesser charge of child molestation (sighs) and become a registered sex offender. California, what are you doing? (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. The judge's sentencing was one year to life okay. which that's a super mm. long window mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. like one year life unless you're like 99 years old that's a long window yeah <laughs> yeah one year is life <laughs> um he was paroled after 34 months in 1974 oh fuck off <laughs> jesus christ In 1977, despite his criminal record and official registration as a sex offender, he was hired as a typesetter by the Los Angeles Times in the midst of their coverage of the Hillside Strangler murders. Lord have mercy. (laughs) Oh my God. During this period, Alcala also convinced dozens of young women that he was a professional fashion photographer and photographed them for his portfolio. Mm-hmm. Most of those photos remain unidentified and police fear that some of the women may be additional victims, which I'm going to put a pin in that. Okay. 1977, Alcala returned to New York for about a week. He was just visiting. During this time, Ciro's nightclub heiress, Ellen Jane Hover, was murdered. 
During their investigations, they saw on her calendar that she was supposed to go see someone named John Berger on the date that she disappeared. Oh, God. At the time, the connection between the aliases was never made. Her body wasn't found until a year after her uh, after she vanished, and she was buried on the grounds of the Phillips Memorial Hospital near the Rockefeller Estate. Oh, shit. Her bo- her body was so decomposed, they had to use dental records to verify her, her identity. During the autopsy, it was declared a homicide. Oh, fuck. In 1978, Alcala, who had by then already killed at least two women, was accepted as a contestant on The Dating Game. Oh and this God. is actually like, he's known as The Dating Game yeah. murderer. Um Despite being convicted, being a convicted rapist and registered sex offender. So they knew all this and they're like, yeah, put him on the show. Sounds great. great. Um, Host Jim Lang introduced him as a successful photographer who got his start when his father found him in the dark room at the age of 13. Mm -hmm. Fully developed. (laughs) (laughs) I hate the 70s. Between takes, you might find him skydiving or motorcycling. Or murdering. Or murdering. (laughs) He won... He won the dating game, so he won a date with Bachelorette Cheryl Bradshaw, who subsequently refused to go out with him, according to published reports, because she found him creepy. Get it, girl. Follow that fucking gut instinct. Get it, Cheryl. Um, Jed Mills, an actor who sat next to Alcala on stage as Bachelor Number 2, later described him as a very strange guy with bizarre opinions. Oh, my God. (laughs) Robin Samso, a 12-year-old girl from Huntington Beach, California, was starting her first day answering phones at a dance studio in exchange for lessons. Before she went to the beach to hang out with her friend, before, before, sorry, before her shift, she went to the beach to hang out with her friend, where a strange man came up to them and asked if he could take their picture. She said, sure. Oh, my God. No. As you do. (laughs) At that moment, a neighbor of of her friend interrupted and asked if they were all right. And then the man just, like, sped off. Sounds sounds good. Um, Because a normal photographer would definitely run away like that. mm Mm-hmm. And so Robin disappeared somewhere between the beach and her ballet class on June 20th, 1979. Her decomposing body was found 12 days later in the foothills of Los Angeles. Mm. By the time the police found her body, she was just bones because of all of the animals and stuff. Um, The friend helped police create a sketch of the man, which was released to the media. Alcala's parole officer saw the sketch and called detectives. Oh, fuck. He was arrested on July 24th. When his sister came to visit him in jail, he mentioned that he had a storage locker in Seattle that the cops don't know about and asked her to get the stuff out of there. That's all he said. Mm-hmm. Police did know about the locker, though, and they were already on it. Oh, God. So they were already going up there to search it, and police got to it before the sister um, and found hundreds of to thousands of images of young women. Stop. Along with all the stuff was a small bag filled with earrings. In that bag were Robin's earrings. Oh, God. Um, criminal profiler Pat Brown um, noted that Alcala killed Robin Samso and at least two other women after his dating game appearance. 
fuck. And speculated that Bradshaw's rejection of him Set might him have been an exacerbating factor. Okay, Ted Bundy. <laughs> <laughs> um, and she said, one wonders what that did in his mind. That is something he would not take too well. Serial killers don't understand the rejection. They think that something is wrong with that girl. She played me. She played hard to get. That kind of thing. Dude. In 1980, Alcala was tried, convicted, and sentenced to death for Samso's murder, but his conviction was overturned by the California Supreme Court because the Orange County Superior Court trial judge had allowed the jury to hear about the Tally Shapiro case and Alcala's other rape and kidnapping convictions. You've got so to you be can't use fucking those. Fucking kidding yeah. me. Nope. In 1986, he was convicted for a second time and again sentenced to death, but a Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals panel overthrew his conviction once again, in part because a witness was not allowed to support Alcala's contention that the park ranger who found Samson's body had been hypnotized by police investigators. What is happening? California. Are we Florida? What is happening? (laughs) It's the 80s. Oh, my God. It's the end of the 80s. Jesus. But still. While preparing their third prosecution in 2003. So they're like, we got to we got to pull it together. 2003. Orange County investigators learned that Alcala's DNA sampled under a new state law over his objections. He's like, no, no, no. Don't don't test my DNA. That's not good. (laughs) Okay, sure. Match semen left at the rape and murder scenes of two women in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Another pair of earrings found in Alcala's storage locker matched the DNA of one of the two victims. Oh, fuck. Additional evidence, including another cold case DNA match in 2004, led to Alcala, Alcala's indictment for the murders of four additional women. Oh, Jill Barcombe, 18, killed in 1977 and originally thought to have been a victim of the Hillside Strangler. Georgia Wixt. Uh, 27 bludgeoned in her Malibu apartment in 1977. Oh Charlotte Lamb, 31, raped and strangled in El Segundo in 1978. And Jill Parenteau, 21, killed in her Burbank apartment in 1979. Babies. In 2003, prosecutors entered a motion to join the Samso murder murder charges with those of the four newly discovered victims alcala contested the motion naturally in 2006 the california supreme court ruled in the prosecution's favor and in 2009 um, alcala stood trial once again and it's funny that you had mentioned ted bundy because at (laughs) the third trial alcala acted as his own attorney oh lord and told jurors often in a rambling monotone that he was at Knott's Berry Farm when Sam So was kidnapped. Mm-hmm. But he offered no defense of any kind in the other four cases. This is... Oh, I need to find that. Shit. Ah! Okay. As part of his closing argument, he played the portion of Arlo Guthrie's song, Alice's Restaurant. Oh, God. In which the protagonist tells a psychiatrist he wants to kill Mm-hmm. Um, so let me find that real quick because I have a like timestamp. It's like super creepy. <laughs> okay, we're just gonna have to go from here. Things, and I walked in, I sat down, they gave me a piece of paper, said, Kid, see the psychiatrist, room 604. And I went up there, I said, Shrink, I want to kill. <laughs> 
and I want I want to kill. Kill. I want I want to see I want to see blood and gore and guts and veins in my teeth. Eat dead burnt bodies. I mean kill. Kill. What the actual fuck? Right? Like, why? <laughs> it's insane. Because oh, he wants to kill. My fucking God. Kill. Yeah. Kill. So he was convicted on all five counts. Bless <laughs> it fucking be. A surprise witness during the penalty phase of the trial was Tali Shapiro. Oh, God. Alcala's first known victim. In March 2010, Alcala was sentenced to death for a third time. It was now time for the New York cases, because these were just the California ones. Okay. Rodney was transferred to New York in June of 2012 for his trial, and by December, he pleaded guilty. Bless. His sentence was two concurrent prison terms of 25 years to life. Everyone always wondered if there were more um, victims. In April 2010, the Huntington Beach Police Department made public 120 of Alcala's photographs in an effort to identify some of the women and determine if any could be additional victims. In the first few weeks, approximately 20 women (gasps) had come forward to identify themselves. Oh, God. Okay. (sighs) Um, Christine Ruth Thornton from Dallas was going on a road trip with her boyfriend. She had called her mom and let her know the news that she was expecting a baby. And that is the last they heard from her. In 2013, that was like in the 70s. In 2013, Christine's nephew watched a 48-hour story on Alcala that led him to the website that had the released photographs. Oh, no. He sent the site to his mom, Kathy, Christine's sister, to look through. As she was scrolling, she saw a photo of a woman on the back of a motorcycle. It looked like her sister, but a little older. She Googled the name Rodney Alcala, and her heart sunk. Her sister had been traveling around with a serial killer. Oh, my God. Kathy submitted her own DNA to a missing persons database to see if her sister's DNA was ever submitted. In 1982, a woman was found in Granger, Wyoming. She was never identified, and it became a cold case. At the time of her death, she was six months pregnant. Oh, fuck. The detective working on the cold case saw that at the time they found her, they had saved tissue and bone fragments. So he decided to send it in for DNA processing. Less than a year later, thanks to Kathy submitting her DNA, she was identified as Christine Thornton. Oh my God. During the summer she went missing, she split with her boyfriend and met Alcala. It turns out that the photo was photo taken were mere moments before Christine was murdered because the place the photo was taken and the place her remains were found were just <gasps> yards from each other. Shut up. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's bone chilling. 
September 2016, detectives interviewed Alcala. Alcala had been moved to a medical unit because he was in ill health, showing signs of dementia. They showed him photos of the area where her body was found, and he said, I know that area. That is my area. Ew. (laughs) They then showed him Christine's photograph, the one that she was on the back of the motorcycle. He took the photo, placed it on his lap, and started tracing her body for about five minutes. Ew. Then he sat the photograph on the table and started tapping on it. They thought he was going to give more information, but he was playing a game. He denied killing her. He said he, she was alive when he left her. This at least admitted that he was there, which was enough for them to bring charges of first-degree murder. But there was, but he was never tried for Christine's murder because they didn't want to extradite him to Wyoming. They said he didn't deserve the excitement of a trip. Ugh, um, I mean, yeah, but fuck, man. I don't think this is over because this was just like in 2016 and stuff. I think with these photographs being out, I think it's just going to like continue yeah and as bodies are found like i definitely don't feel like we'll know all of them but i also don't feel like it's over i feel like there's going to be more and he's just a monster like he's such a monster holy shit my story sucks compared to your guys (laughs) (laughs) so a lot of the information that i got a lot of the stuff that uh, here we go let's gather myself (laughs) the place where i got a lot of my information i think it was like a 48 hours so um um, i'm gonna embed that in the show notes if you guys want to watch it um it interviews like um kathy and a bunch of um itali shapiro is interviewed on there so it's it's definitely like super interesting um Tali actually like kind of feels bad because she's like if I was just able to testify Uh when I was young then a lot of these women could have been alive but it's not her fault and like she's like I understand what my parents were doing you know they were trying to protect me but it's still hard I mean it sucks either way because like yeah they were trying to protect her and then you know all this shit happens you have that guilt but mm-hmm. if they would have gone through and let her testify, who knows what that would have done to her in the long run. Yeah. So it's kind of... And she was... Luckily, like, she was able to make that decision in her later years. Yeah. And, you know, do her part. So I'm sure that helped her a lot. But Yeah. Like, come yeah. to terms with everything. It's crazy. Damn. I, I knew, like... I mean, I knew it was, like, the dating game guy, but I don't remember all I didn't that know stuff. it was that intense yeah yeah i guess i just like i knew he was creepy i knew he was the dating game murderer and he killed some people like (laughs) but this is like that's like a total fucking psycho yeah like he's up there that was he's i really like that one and i think i found some and well like in the um in the 48 hours they have video footage of him on the dating game yeah but i'll like try and pull some specifically for those who don't like want to watch the whole thing um it's just he's so creepy like yeah i mean granted like it's the 70s so like 
every Everybody's guy creepy. on the dating game <laughs> is creepy. But like there's just like extra creepy. You and, know? Then you, and then you already have like that knowledge of everything. Yeah. It doesn't yeah. help. Like you can almost see it like behind his eyes. Like, mm-hmm. ugh, it's just so. Ugh, ugh. Like, oh my God. She's going to pick a murderer. Yeah. And she's like so into it too. Like it's so weird. Well, yeah. Cause you're just, you know, excited to be on that fucking show. Like you don't, you don't know what their history is. And imagine what would have happened to her. Like if she would have went yeah, on the date. That's what I was. Yeah. Like, I mean, maybe he wouldn't have been triggered. And Follow your instincts. Yeah. Well, no, he had already killed. So it was in him, Ugh. you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's just how the way, that's just the way it was supposed to be, I fucking guess. You think Tinder is the new dating game? <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. Okay, okay, we're good. You know who you are. I'm like, uh, uh, I don't know. (laughs) Fingers crossed. I mean, the only, I didn't use Tinder, but the only time that I used a dating app, um, prior to meeting my amazing boyfriend that I have now, um, that I, it turned out like the guy was like a felon with like a warrant for his arrest and. Oh, I remember. (laughs) That was do a background check, people. (laughs) That is so true. The times that I I mean, it wasn't for. Luckily, it wasn't for anything violent. It was just for like meth, (laughs) cash. Good lord. Um, I used the dating site twice. I used plenty of fish, and the first time, um, was with a dude. And he ended up being a little bitch. (laughs) We were just talking about about it. Like I got in a um. I was just talking about it yesterday with Janine and Chris and real quick story time. So the, we went out to the movies and um, I was coming home and when I was on my way home, it was like, I don't know, it was like one o'clock in the morning and the roads were empty and there was like off in the distance, I could see like the red and blue of police lights and they were getting like closer and closer and closer. And I realized that they were chasing a truck, like a Silverado or something. Okay. And so the truck jumped the median. I was on a street, <gasps> so jumped the median and like went right in front of me. And I slammed on my brakes as hard as I can. And the truck like swerved to the left, which was just to the right of my vehicle and went down this ravine. It was like, I don't know, two blocks from my house. <laughs> so went down ah. this little ravine of grass and I was like terrified and I was fine. My car was a little banged up. Well, not banged up, but like scratched up because he kicked up gravel and it like scratched the paint. Uh-huh. But um, anyway, so the cops get out. They pull him out of the truck and like the guy's like, are you okay? Are you okay? I'm like, I'm fine. I was like, I need to smoke a cigarette. <laughs> yeah. So I was like smoking a cigarette real quick. And he's like, okay, you can go. And I'm like, okay, good. So I went home, which was down the street, knocked out, woke up in the morning. The dude ended up texting me like, hey, you know, I had a good time last night, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, oh, well, this happened. And I told him. So then like a week later, he was just like silent. Finally, he texts me and he's like, hey, um, you know, I, I feel so bad. I've been so quiet. Like, I've been so just so emotional. Like, you could have died. It would have been my fault. Like, it was because of me that this happened to you. I just feel so responsible. And I'm like, eh, yeah, it's not going to work. <laughs> yeah, not going to work. Yeah. And then I forgot no. to tell you. So I ended up telling him like after a while, like, okay, dude, I'm into girls. Like, this is not going to work. 
So then like years later, because I've had the same phone number since seventh grade. So if you have my yeah, phone number too. once, you're going to keep it because I'm never getting yeah. rid of this phone number. I don't care who has it. I'm never getting rid of it. And it's really awkward because now I live in a different like yeah. area code. So Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, anyway, so he texts me like, I don't know, five years after that. And he's like, hey, it's me. Remember that time, you know, you you lied and you tried calling me out or tried I don't know what he said, but basically saying, like, I lied to him just to get rid of him to say I was into girls. I was like, bro, I'm with the chick. Like, calm the fuck down. Get out of here. Oh, my God. Okay, chill. And then the second time that I used um, a dating site, which is also Plenty of Fish, I met this girl who called me a douchebag, and she was, like, a stage five clinger. Oh, my God. I remember remember her? Yeah. (laughs) Super stage five clinger, like, making plans, like, to move in and live together after, like, five days what's wrong with that updating her (laughs) no i mean if it's fucking mutual that's different (laughs) no like five days of knowing this chick and she's like yeah all right i'm I'm like um i gotta go and she called me a douchebag yeah oh fuck that's my story of yeah i mean online you know but then like there are other stories like i know people who have met the loves of their life so it's just People are going to meet the people that they're supposed to be with in the ways that work for them. Janine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, that was very sweet uh, message. Are you okay? Yeah. <laughs> it's okay, Eileen. You don't need to cry. <laughs> You survived and now you have a girlfriend. So it's fine. It's okay. You don't have to cry. You survived and you have a girlfriend. It's fine. Oh, that is true. I'm no longer a douchebag. That's not true. (laughs) 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 Oh, we didn't we didn't say that exactly. Well I'm not a douchebag to my girlfriend. Whoa, whoa, whoa. That's true. You're not. To you I am, but that's just because I can. Mm -hmm. (laughs) What are you looking at, kid? Quit talking your shit. Mini douchebag. Um, all right. I guess it's my turn with my, my lame fucking story. We could just end the episode now if you want. All right. Thank you so much for listening. <laughs> all that work you did <laughs> this morning. Um, okay. So this was... So Erica, our angel friend, sweet Erica... Literally, that's her name. Love her. Um, oh, now I have to find the thing. Go order all her desserts because they're delicious. Yes. Yeah, she, um, Eileen ordered a Post Malone cake for me for my birthday. Um, just recently, I ordered a, a Trippy Red cake for the kids' birthday. Like, she's been with she us for so many years. She did the True Crime Girls cake for our launch party. She did all of And the cake desserts. pops. Yeah. Um, she's fucking rad. Her cake pops are like, oof. Crack. I don't even like chocolate cake, but my girl's chocolate cake is so fucking good. Now I want good. some fucking cake pops from her. <laughs> Erica, Erica, come come here. Yeah, Erica, we need we need to have a chat. But yeah, look her up. It's a sweet at sweet Erica, right? Yeah, E R I K A. Sweet Erica. We will tag everybody that um, whose suggestions we used. We'll tag them in the post for this episode. So she actually emailed us um, to do like a kidnapping case. And we actually had a few of those suggestions. And then um, on Instagram, Kate, her name is Caitlin Montgomery. Hi, Caitlin. 
Um, she suggested Jamie Kloss. I hope I'm saying that correctly. Um, so that's who I'm doing. Never heard of this case, and I feel like such a fucking moron. But, I don't um, know it so far, so. Yeah, and it just happened, like, like So let's year. be morons together. Yeah. So I talk a lot of shit about people living under rocks, but I may have been living on another fucking planet because I never heard of this. So on everyone has their own rocks that they're living under. I mine is real big. Apparently, I want to live under the rock. <laughs> um, on the afternoon of January 10th, 2009, Jamie Kloss escaped from a cabin where she'd been held captive for 88 days in Gordon, Wisconsin. A local woman walking her dog, Jean Nutter, recognized her immediately when she walked up and took her to a neighbor's house to call 911. So I don't know if I mentioned this before, but I've always wanted to be that person, Mm -hmm. like that Mm -hmm. random neighbor or that local woman, you know, finds blah, blah, blah. Dead body. Dead body. But Jean Nutter found her. So... But but it wasn't me. But it wasn't me. <laughs> you sounded so upset. In Wisconsin, motherfuck. Um, Jean. So she took her to a neighbor's house to call nine one one. And the reason she didn't take her to her own house is because Jean actually lived closer in proximity to the uh, to the cabin that Jamie had just escaped from. Um, the neighbor who called nine one one recognized Jamie as well, and she relayed this to the nine one one operator, stating that she was one hundred percent sure it was Jamie. Um, police arrived and were preparing to take a uh, Kloss in for safety and questioning. While they were making their way into the car, into like the cop car, a red vehicle was spotted, and its license plates. Hi. Its license plates were checked. <laughs> the vehicle was registered to a woman with the last name Patterson. Um, another deputy followed the vehicle, which drove by the cabin where Claus had been held. And when the deputy stopped the driver, the man um, stated that his name was Jake Patterson. And he exited his vehicle and said, I did it. So... On Monday, October 15th, 2018, at 12.53 a.m., a 911 call was made from the Kloss home using um, a cell phone that belonged to Denise Kloss, who was Jamie's mother. No one spoke to the operator on the other end, but you could hear... (laughs) I wrote, you could hear, H-E-R-E. Jesus fucking Christ. Proud of you. Um... You could hear yelling and kind of like shuffling around before the phone call was disconnected. The, st- the dispatcher called back and uh, they reached the voicemail of Denise Kloss. There was obviously no answer. Four minutes after the call, police arrived to the um, residence and they saw that the front door had been shot in. Once inside the home, police found James Kloss, 56, and Denise Kloss, 46, dead from gunshot wounds. Mm. Their 13-year-old daughter, Jamie, was missing. With the immediate... Yeah. Um, And I... From everything that I read, I believe she was an only child. Um, With the immediate evidence found in the home, police believe that Jamie was present at the time of the attack. No gun was recovered after searching the home, and police did not have any suspects at the time. Neighbors said that they heard two gunshots, but had just dismissed them since it was hunting, or since hunting was common, like, in the area that they lived in, fucking Wisconsin. Um, Following, like, I just, 
I mean, I guess living in the ghetto, you kind of get used to gunshots too, but like, I don't know. That's just weird now that I don't have to deal with that really. Um, uh, okay. So following their findings, police were convinced that Jamie was still alive and began a search for her. I feel like I'm yelling. Am I yelling? No, not to me. Okay. (laughs) No, not you. Um, So investigators received more than 2,000 tips in the case and reviewed most of them. Searchers first concentrated on the sides of U.S. Route 8, which is near the Kloss home. On October 23rd, 2018, volunteers spent the entire day searching for the missing 13-year-old. A $25,000 reward for information leading to the location of Kloss was issued. And on October 24th, um, it doubled to 50000 so there was a reward wow. out just for like anything that could help find her. Um, on October 30th, 2018, the day of the funerals for James and Denise, um, a 32-year-old man was arrested and admitted to burglarizing the Kloss home. He was charged with... Bur- bur- what? Burglary. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. He was charged with burglary but cleared of any connection to the October 15th attack against the family and it was just kind of back to square one for the search of Jamie um so like I stated at the beginning when Jamie was taken into custody they saw that red car blah 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 Jake Patterson admitted that he quote unquote did it so at the time of the attack Jake Patterson was 21 years old like so fucking young Um, He quickly admitted his guilt in murdering James and Denise Kloss and kidnapping Jamie. He told officials that he saw Jamie getting off of a school bus outside of her home one day, like just a random fucking day when he was driving home from work. And he, quote, knew she was the girl he wanted to take. What the fuck does that even fucking mean? Like gross. And then this is just so. Huh? Is his name B? Yeah. Um, Like, that's just so fucking weird. Like, especially for this kid, he didn't have any prior, like, record or he hadn't been really, like, arrested or anything. And then to just one day be like, that's the girl I want to take. Like, are you okay? Like, take a nap. No. No. The answer is (laughs) no. The cabin where... The cabin where Jamie was held captive belonged to Patterson's father, who was completely heartbroken when finding out what his son had done. Um, Patterson, of course, was described as shy, quiet. He backed off from crowds, but he was a nice boy. He was polite. Um, Computer games were more of a priority than social interaction. I find that extremely easy to believe. Um, And he had no... (laughs) He had no criminal history, so this is kind of just, like, out of the fucking blue. That's crazy. He, like, snapped, almost. Yeah. Like, like, it's... Right? That's what I don't get. Like, it's just kind of, like, out of nowhere. He was like, I want to kidnap this person. And, like, not only that, <laughs> he completely fucking murdered, like, her parents. They were just innocent bystanders. They were in the way. Yeah. Um. So... I think it was he was already in custody. Um, A reporter reached out to him kind of asking, like, what happened? Um, Like, what exactly did you guys do when, um, you know, Jamie was held captive? 
Um, her name is Jennifer Mayerl. Mayerl. Um, she was a reporter for something in Wisconsin. Um, so I think he she wrote him a letter or something, and he's like, I really shouldn't be talking to you, but I don't want any more trouble, so I'll just come out and, you know, give you whatever information you want. Mm -hmm. So he said, quote, I just love her. We were just like watching TV, playing board games, talking about stuff. We cooked a lot. Everything we made was homemade, you know. And it's like, I no, you're not playing. You kidnap somebody. Yeah, this isn't like. Sweetie, like <laughs> he was like in his own fantasy world. Yeah. Um, Patterson is charged with two counts of first degree intentional homicide one count of kidnapping, and one count of armed burglary. Um, Douglas County DA Mark Fruhoff announced his office had no plans to pursue charges against Patterson related related to um, Jamie's 88 days in captivity because they did not want to bring the victim in uh, for questioning, and they believe that they have sufficient evidence to pursue a life sentence without parole uh, without these additional charges, so they kind of just didn't want to bring her in and drag her through this entire trial if they didn't have to. Mm. Um, and with the murders, he'll be put away forever anyway. Um, at Patterson's March 27th, 2019 court appearance, which is like not even a month ago, um, in Barron County Court, he pleaded guilty to two counts of intentional first degree homicide and one count of kidnapping. The charges carry a maximum of life in prison for the homicides and 40 years for the kidnapping. And he mm -hmm. will be sentenced in May of 2019. Um, May 24th so this episode I believe should be out by then yeah um, yeah so that'll be kind of timely which I've never done that before I'm kind of excited so Jamie's currently living with an aunt um, since that was kind of like the only family she had her mom and dad um, yeah so now she's living with one of her aunts in Wisconsin um Patterson's going to be put away forever. Like I said, his sentencing is May 24th, 2019. Um, so the $25,000 reward was provided by the company. I think it's Hormel. Like Jenny O, is it Hormel? Mm -hmm. um, and that's where her parents worked. So they're the ones that put up the $25,000 reward. Wow. Yeah. Um, the reward was to be given to a person or to the person with information leading to her safe return. However, they announced that they would... Um, give the reward to Jamie herself because quote she's a badass bitch who saved her damn self <laughs> no I'm kidding that's not a quote I said oh that. I was like oh Hormel <laughs> get it yes um but yeah she's a fucking badass she escaped one day when I think he like had left to run an errand or something and she I love, busted I love out of that stuff fucking like that cabin. where they're just like yeah taking um, it into my own hands and I found, or not I found, but there's a 911 recording on YouTube, so I'll go ahead and post that in the show notes. And so the, I forgot the um, the neighbor's name, but she's talking to the dispatcher and she's like, no, she's calm, she's fine. She asks her if she needs a blanket, if she wants anything to drink, and you can kind of hear her like saying no, like they're not erratic, like everybody's kind of calm, and I think she was just happy to like find somebody mm -hmm. that you know I'm was sure. able to help her and she didn't yeah. believe that the ladies knew who she was like she had no idea what was going on she didn't know that there was this huge search for her like 
she was kind of dumbfounded oh. that they knew who she was because you, like you're just running up to a stranger like you don't expect them to know who the fuck you are right um so yeah so that was like a really cool fucking case um dude that's awesome yeah so thank you erica <laughs> and thank you uh oh sorry i lost your name um caitlin thank you so much for that i yeah, clearly have been guys. living under a rock because that is so thank you everyone recent. this was a fun one we needed to do this more often i Dang. know um we had a, a lot of really good um suggestions and some of them will actually be mentioning in a separate episode in a different mm-hmm. context um but this was really cool i was really excited to get all this feedback and like all these cool cases that yeah you guys really know how to pick them Dang. i know so that was really fun thank you guys um and i really enjoyed that story i i'd never like heard of it Mm-mm, me either so. so um there is a documentary thing coming out on lifetime mm-hmm. and it's um there's gonna be a round table with elizabeth smart um talking about jamie Kloss, and it's not just elizabeth smart it's six other women who have been abducted and oh, kept shit wow on lifetime on lifetime when is this <laughs> um i don't know exactly when i just remember seeing a commercial about it and then i see right here it was updated april 2nd can you send me that link yeah so we can post it so it says 90 minutes special will feature exclusive interviews with key players in jamie's escape and rescue elizabeth smart will also hold a roundtable discussion featuring six other well-known victims victims of abduction so like elizabeth Whoa. smart um the other one uh, jc dugard yeah whoa um, yeah so and then like i know one of the quotes because they had a commercial about it like um I guess they already filmed it. Mm-hmm. And so, okay. you know, they do the promos. And Elizabeth Smart's like the only one, the only people who truly understand what you've been through are the people who have been through it as well. And then, like, they give like a right. big old group hug with all of them. Oh, God. I'm like, fucking lifetime is getting me with this shit. Sob fest. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Yeah. Um, I didn't think that I was going to want to do a kidnapping story it wasn't my first choice um i had a suggestion for a skinwalker ranch that i really wanted to do um but this one kind of just like i don't know she was a badass i was like i have to do this one heck yeah i love it yeah dang this was a good episode oh it'll air april 27th that's next week it's called Um, smart justice the jamie claus case Okay. So if you haven't watched it already, yeah. go and find it and watch it. Yeah. Thank you, Lifetime. Because it would be have been like about a month ago. Yeah. Or so. Oh shit. Awesome. Well, shoot. This was a good one. I really liked this one. I know. Thank you guys so much for helping us out. Um, it's not for a lack of ideas because we have a whole fucking list of shit we want to do. But um, I just it's thought it was time to do something like yeah and i feel like it's um it's more like knowing exactly like what you guys want to hear like like she said we have like a whole list of like ideas and stuff but sometimes it's nice to be like all right what do you guys want to hear and then we can like it helps us like prioritize it i guess but not only that like i've had people like just in conversation like hey you know be cool like do you guys cover this if mm-hmm. not maybe you should yeah and it's mm-hmm. like that's how we got our voodoo episode yeah like, ebony's yeah. like hey can you like why don't you guys do something about voodoo and i'm like all right mm-hmm. why not like that let's yeah. throw that in there so yeah. 
the fact that we were able to do it on a bigger scale and get everybody's opinions like i would for sure like to do it again sometime because yeah. well like, and if you guys ever have like requests like just submit them you know like we put them um, on a list we have a running doc with everything that we want to cover so exactly. we'll throw it on there yeah we'll give you a shout out even if it's not a request and episode, i don't we don't care think yeah. these cases any one of us would have ever covered on our own had Absolutely we not, not heard about them not, from the yeah. comments yeah probably not so um for sure give us more suggestions why not yeah give them and even just one suggestion can kind of like begin a whole topic and it becomes a Mm -hmm. whole episode so yeah thank you guys we can't say thank you enough like honestly (laughs) like just for everything for fucking listening to us buying our shit interacting with us dming us just everything like all of it we appreciate it so you can like there are many many ways to like get in touch with us or request um you can go on to our website we have a contact form on there you can email us at um truecrimegirls at gmail.com mm-hmm. um you can comment on our show notes which are also on the website which this one will probably have like a lot yeah of interesting stuff because yeah it's a lot <laughs> um and because yeah um and we also have our social medias, which a lot of you reach out to us on there. Um, so we're on Instagram and Facebook, and we're also on Twitter. If you add us, we'll probably see you on Twitter. But yeah, <laughs> other than that, Twitter. What is Twitter? Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, one day we'll figure it out. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. Um, but yeah, you can um, reach out to us on there. So make sure you're following us everywhere. Please, please, please follow us everywhere, but don't follow us home. Mm-mm. Don't do it. Nope. We don't. We don't want you here. We nope. don't. You are not welcome. <laughs> nope. I mean, I moved all the way across the street so they would, or the, the, the street. street. <laughs> I moved all the way across the street, all the way across the country, so they wouldn't follow me home. I definitely don't. Want to Speaking of not following me home. Yeah. Um. What? What's her name? Elizabeth Warren died. Yeah. Yeah. Lorraine. Lorraine. Elizabeth. I said Elizabeth? Yeah. Elizabeth yeah. Warren, sorry. <laughs> Lorraine Warren died. Yeah. Poor lady. I know. I oh, somebody. Oh, fuck. This one got me. Really quick. I know we were about to sign off, but somebody um, posted like a, like just a little message for her on Twitter. And I guess they'd known um, Ed. Is it Ed? Ed mm-hmm. and Lorraine. Um, Mm -hmm. He knew them just saying like what an amazing couple they were, how loving they were throughout the, you know, their marriage. And oh God, he said something like um, the last time I saw you guys, you were hand in hand. And I imagine that you're you're the same way now. And I was like, oh, my God. (laughs) Yeah, it was just like super sweet little message. That's so cute. Yeah. Um, But yeah, we lost a good one. R.I.P. Mm, R.I.P. Yeah. Um, All right. So, so thank yeah. you guys so much for listening. <laughs> don't fucking follow us home. <laughs> yeah, don't follow us home, please. We love you, though. Goodbye. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Bye.